Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Industrial Marketer Podcast. You know, it's your place for the tips, the tech, the trends, and the tactics for industrials who care about driving leads to their companies, primarily using digital channels, if I'm being honest. (laughs) I'm one of your hosts, Joey Strawn, and as always, I'm joined by my counterpart, Nels Nels. Be true to thyself, Jensen. How are you doing today, Nels? Doing great, Joey. Doing great. Looking forward to diving into uh, industrial sales enablement, which, as I've figured out, is a team sport. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm so glad that you said that. It's going to set the stage so well when we dive in. Um, and honestly, this is a topic that we've been asked to talk about. This is something that uh, is incredibly important in my mind when it comes to how to market industrials in the new age uh, or in our current age and beyond. But the reality is, is that no one department can do it alone. It's not the marketing job, not marketing person's job. It's not the salesperson's job. And hey, if you're that marketing slash salesperson, it doesn't have to be just your job either. There's a lot that goes on with sales enablement for B2Bs and especially industrials in the supply chain and their needs. Like their sales cycles are crazy, Nels, crazy. Crazy, yes. And But the point of the team sport too, right, it's not just one or two people. You know, this involves uh, your IT department. This involves, you know, you're extending uh, into what are your goals as an organization? We'll, and we'll dive into this shortly, but yes, it, and it's a great opportunity to get your company aligned toward uh, important goals and metrics. I, I agree. So let's, let's take a moment here before we dive in. So guys, if you've wondered how your sales and your marketing funnels need to talk to each other, if you've been wondering how to really track that lead from when it comes in to when you convert it, because your sales cycle let's be honest, maybe six months, maybe 12 months, maybe two years in some cases. And so how do you nurture? How do you track? And how do you make sure that those leads are being converted in the correct way? And now I want to be really clear. Today's topic is about sales enablement in the B2B and industrial spaces. But what that doesn't mean is sales uh, enactment. It's not doing the sales process and it's not sales uh exacerbation. It's not getting rid of the sales either or or putting them on a pedestal. This is about making sure that all of our systems, all of our processes, and all of our teams are working together to enable the sales process to work at its maximum capacity. Yeah, well, let's 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 talk about processes, systems, and uh, and alignment. I love it. All right. So, so now, as we dive in today, sales enablement can mean so many things to so many people. Uh, It it has changed definitions over the years. Um, You know, our current understanding of sales enablement, walk us through kind of how how you see it, how you use it in when you're thinking about creating things, thinking about writing stuff. Yeah. So let's start out with what sales enablement is. Right. We've touched on these points. It's a systematic approach. Right. So, you know, are you it's not just getting leads, but it's, you know, how are you qualifying leads? How are you scoring leads? How are you tracking conversions? You know, there's a system that needs to be in place for these processes. Right. And then it's alignment. It's sales and marketing alignment. So obviously, if your marketing team is 
pushing certain things, hopefully they align with whatever your primary goals are and whatever motivates and the behaviors that you're expecting from your sales department. It's obvious, but again, it's one of those fundamental things. Uh, Does your content support sales? And that's become very clear in the during the pandemic, where a lot of companies have been revisiting their websites to, to prop up their content, whether it's just <clears throat> making better use of the content they have or creating new searchable content. But the content must support sales for your sales enablement. And then, of course, it's an analytics process, not just for scoring leads, but it's also for the sales process, right? So you're collecting data. And again, data is a good thing, Mm -hmm. but what can you actually draw out of it and what insights can you get out of it? So to me, there's four components of sales enablement, systematic approach, sales and marketing alignment, content that supports sales and analytics for a sales process. I, I love that. And I want to talk about each of those quickly. Like when, how, how do, okay. So how do we do that? You know, what does that look like? That sounds awesome. And is, you know, quite frankly, great and is right. So when we're putting that into practice, like when we're thinking about that systematic approach, and I'm glad that you started there, because one of the things that sales and marketing need to be able to do is communicate. And since systems are most likely going to be in play, since humans are most likely going to be in in play, and quite frankly, we do things all sorts of which ways. So the idea of making sure that there is some consistency on the input method is extremely important. And that's what that systematic approach is. You know, a lot of people have heard these terms, but like MQL and SQL or SAL, you know, what what do those mean? Like when we're thinking about systematically approaching how we look at our intake valve, if you will, in the met, in the process, you know, are, are we qualifying it on a marketing level? Like that's one of the high levels of, okay, this is at least a good enough person to market to. They're in our target personas. We're hitting the right, you know, uh, job descriptions as we're, as we're doing our outreach. We're getting the people that we should at least be seeing our stuff. But then not every one of those is going to be something that a salesman, a dedicated outreach person, um, a business development lead can realistically contact. You may have hundreds of contact form submissions a day. You may have three, but the reality is, is that there's not going to be usually enough for one person to do everything for every lead that comes in. So identifying which ones then elevate to that next level of sales accepted and sales qualified leads or what, what are those gates that the salesmen need to know to be able to say, I am going after this, 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 and this. And if they meet these five qualifications, then we're headlong into a conversation and I can sell that person. Sure. Right. And and we're, and ideally the way that those, that is communicated is what you were saying is through that sales and marketing alignment. And this is where we could talk tools and systems all day. You know, HubSpot is a big name. Salesforce is a big name. You've got your Marketos and your nutshells and everything, <laughs> everything, everything. We've got an episode coming up here soon about CRMs specifically. So the, the systems are all over the place, but the, the concept is that whatever you're using for sales and whatever you're using for marketing need to and should connect and talk to each other. How whatever those systems look like and whatever those specifications may be, that's that's going to be unique to every situation. But the systems have to be able to talk to each other so you can say, hey, 
we got lead XYZ from a Google ad that we put out on this date with this much budget. Uh, it was clicked on because someone searched this keyword. They came in on this date, were sent this many emails, so-and-so reached out to them and then turned them into a deal in Salesforce, followed that deal. And then eight months later, we can now see that it closed for a $65,000 installation. And we can trace all that back to a 65 cent keyword bid. If you, If we can do that across the board, Nels, then we can enable the mm-hmm. most prolific and opportunistic pipelines to be the ones that we're funneling to the salespeople. Sure, sure. So with any time you talk about alignment, right, you're obviously talking about some key groundwork that includes things like communication, but it also, what are you communicating? So you're starting, I hope, with a goal, right? Right. And what does that look like? So you're going backward from the goal. Okay, what does that mean? So if you're, you know, we're going to sell what, whatever one, you know, $200,000 machine a month. Okay, so what does that look like? So we're going to need X number of prospects. And okay, so we're going to need, you know, and you just keep backing it out, asking, what does that mean? How do we do that? And then you share that information with your teams. And okay, then the content team has an idea how they might be able to go to that. Mm -hmm. The IT department can help out in terms of, well, how do we make this accessible? You know, oh, well, you know what, you can't, the salespeople can't access this when they're on the road, we need to have a better mobile display, whatever. I mean, you know, planning is obviously important, right? That's one of those no duh, you know, kind of statements, (laughs) but it's so true. Sales enablement, you have to start with primary goals and then you have to start Mm -hmm. with communication so that everybody can get behind them and figure out what is their piece of this goal. And then from there, like uh, after you know what you're going towards, Then it's mapping out how to get there and it's what systems are in play. And here's where really I want to come back around to the content element of this now. So we've we've hidden the content nugget until about right now, but I want to open that up because sales enablement in today's era, especially with COVID and being so digital and so, oh, new, (laughs) everything's so different and everything's so the same in the same way. It's weird, but being able to know what that journey looks like, you know, what are, where are your customers? How are they going to engage with you? How are you going to look at it? This isn't about making every person in your company a salesman. This is not the ABC, Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn Ross, like everybody be always be closing coffees for closers. This isn't about marketers who are focused on, you know, the optimization of a website, learning to then how to sell, your company services. But what it is about is understanding the pieces of content that are helpful along a customer's journey and then being able to supply those as a marketing team who knows how to talk about that. So, you know, Nels, one of the things that I love that you do on a regular basis is you're always interviewing customers like subject matter experts and people who know these processes and the questions that you ask are, you know, and and I want you to walk through more of them, but like, what are the things that keep you up at night? What are the questions that your like decision makers always ask you? What are the things they complain about to you on a regular basis? Sure. Right. Exactly. How, tell me how we take those questions and then turn them into these like foundational pieces of the content to enable the sales process. 
Sure. And it was like you're reading my mind. I was actually about I, I to go am. into the SME pro- subject matter expert. Mind. Right. So here's the here's where the team sport thing can come in. Right. Your your message on your website should be the intersection of what you want to communicate with. What is the language and questions that your prospects are looking for? Right. Mm-hmm. Should be that intersection. So when you're talking to your client, what is it that keeps their prospects and customers up at night, right? You're understanding um, issues that they're dealing with. What are the trends? What are the commonalities? What are the things that separate, you know, that client from, you know, other, other clients kind of thing. And as you glean this information, you should be sharing it in the, in my case, the content side, the more we share that internally with our team, the better off we are because the account manager understands, oh, okay, this is why this business line does X and their other business line does Y. So that's where you get into the team sport. So you understanding these different personas. And one of the fascinating things to me about industrials, you you basically have to win over an engineer who has to have a certain amount of technological information and that you can be assured that you're really helping them. And you have to win over the purchasing department and the finance department. Those are two very divergent personas, but you have to have the content that allows each of them to research your solutions adequately. So when do you deliver what message at what time? And that's where integrated marketing comes in because if the marketing the you know the people who are selling media you know buying media for instance if they understand that hey it, here's here's where you do x or y as a tactic because you've already had people in the funnel asking about one two or three you know i the- i love I love that you brought that up and I want to take another moment and do kind of a let's put that in a real world context so you know, we're we're talking to a client, or you're you're in your office, and you're wondering how to get people through those gates, and you don't know what content pieces you need, or why marketing and sales really need to work together, and how this can be. So this isn't about like, oh, we need a whole bunch of leads. That's demand generation. That's lead generation. That's marketing's job. Like that's they're they're working on that. On the sales enablement side, though where we can work together is to say, hey, you know, every time I talk to an engineer, the biggest hurdle they have is they say, I just don't know how to train my team on a new software. Like I can't overcome that hurdle. They're all stuck in their thing. And and you say, I hear that from every guy and that's how I lose a bunch of engineers. Well, that'd be fantastic if we had a resource, a video, a white paper, a guide that explained the exact benefit company XYZ brought to that migration process and how that's not going to be a problem. But it would also be great because then that engineer is going to be like, awesome, but he can't spend X number of thousands of dollars on your thing. So the purchasing manager has to be brought in. You've made it past the engineer. Who was the one searching for a solution and found you? The purchasing manager's not doing that, most likely, unless they're, you know, sharing hats and roles. But most cases, you hit the first, you hit the first layer first. Then the next round, the purchasing agent comes in and they say, hey, I really need to understand how a 20% increase in this tool fee is going to save me 
this amount sure, of money right. on the back end. Well, guess what? You can't then turn around and give her the same video or infographic that you gave the engineer. You need a different piece of content <clears throat> that speaks to her, their needs, her needs. And that those need to be prepared beforehand. Sure. You need to it's, know every step of the way. It's, it's sales content planning is one way yeah. to put it because you have to have that technical expertise. So the engineer goes, Oh, okay. These people are worth checking out. And then you also, even though they're getting farther into funnel, then you have to bring back mid-level information for the finance and purchasing department so that they can look at this from a, you know, and maybe those are blog posts about, Hey, the ROI of the solution, or maybe it's misconceptions about this, or it's about compliance or, you know, it, it it is layered content and it's not necessarily, that's the, that's the difficult thing about manufacturing is it's not layered necessarily in a chronological order. Right. And so when we talk about when to deliver what messages, that's, that's really the crux of the issue for, to me, for content marketing for industrials and manufacturers. But once you get that in place, you know, again, and you, your team is aware of these circumstances and these issues that are, are impacting the buying process, the team sport, then you're better equipped so that this department can address X and this department can address Y. And together, you're going to end up with a more qualified lead for Z, right? And, and I can't tell you how many times we've been working, we, we've been partnering with, with clients and helping them out and something will come up and be like, oh, man. Steve in sales has been mad about this for years. And then Marcy in marketing is like, I've never heard that. And like the whole thing was, well, Steve wishes that he didn't get every single contact form that came in through the website because it's trash. It's like, well, we could have taken him off the form two years ago. Why weren't we? Yep. Just yep. talking. So again, like I said, it's not a matter of well, what sales jobs and what's marketing's job. It's looking for those efficiencies where they can, where the marketing team in their knowledge of how to talk to people about our, you know, products and the sales team's experience of their relationships and their ability to convert and their ability to, you know, develop the business are working in the most harmonious way possible. Yep. Yep. And then- you had mentioned the final step of this being the analytics of it. And it's it, it sound it may sound weird for some to be like analytics on my internal process. Like, what are we talking about? Let me give you, let me give you an example. So if we've got the marketing qualified gates, like we know which leads the marketing team's going after, and we also have a gate that we know which of those, what small percentage or whatever percentage of those that sales accepts and then tracks down or tries to develop. If we find in the analytics that there is a huge drop-off between those two numbers and we make one change that doesn't cost us anything to help improve that one handoff and we convert 15% more leads, that's a huge margin with a small optimization. If we're just looking at what those gates and barriers and processes are, if you're not looking at them, you could think everything's fine and you're dribbling out leads on the side. You're losing thousands of dollars. Yeah. Tens you know, it's, it is. And, and I agree a hundred percent with your comment that everybody is not a salesperson, but almost everyone can have a piece of the sales enablement process. 
And that's one of the great, you know, anytime you put together and take a bunch of people from different departments and put them on a cross departmental team with a goal, good things happen. And yeah. I think sales enablement is a really good opportunity for companies to engage people who have knowledge that would help the sales process. Nels, I think that you, I mean, you're the content guy, you're the whiz, you just did it again. I think we should end on that phrase. Not everyone is a salesperson, but everyone can help enable the sales process. And so with that, I'd like to take us down to the shop floor, Nels, because uh, I told you I was going to bring sort of a David Letterman top 10 list. Uh, and I, it's not quite as punny as he would do, but I think I've got some actionable things that some people can walk away from this episode with. So let's let's head on down to the shop floor and uh, and talk about some actionable things. All right, let's do it. All right. After that wicked segue, we're ready here on the shop floor to talk about how to put a lot of this into practice. We've used some hypotheticals today, Nels, uh, but I. You know, this is the shop floor. We got to work down here. So I brought 10 essential B2B sales enablement content ideas that people need to think about and take note of when they're thinking about their sales enablement journey, process, and life. So you ready? Yeah, you want a, a drum roll? I should have sound effects ready, but I don't. We should, I'll just, that's the terrible, that was a terrible drum roll, but I give myself an award for it. All right, here we go. One of the first bits of content that the marketing team and the sales team should work together on to creating is a visualized customer journey map. Ooh, good. We love visuals. I, Everyone loves I mean, visuals. Everyone loves visuals. It could be just a simple little timeline, but it's like, listen, at this stage, we need to be talking about this sort of stuff. And at this stage, we need to be talking about this sort of stuff. And if you have that visualized that everybody can look at, then it's fun. You can easily move around. It's like, well, let's put some emails here or maybe, ooh, we need a salesman to interact once they download this little piece of information that we have. So if you've got that visualized, Everybody can have a clear idea of these are the stages our clients go through when they're and, working with us. And that'll be eye-opening for some people in your company because they don't realize how complex it can be for industrials and manufacturers. It's That's yep. not an easy diagram, but it's super valuable. Good. And it needs to be a collaborative effort. So that's, that's why it's on the list. So here we go. You're going to like this one, Nelson. I'm going to allow you to talk about it because my next one on the list, number two, is target persona outlines. Why do they need to write up target persona outlines, Nels? Because that the, the more you can identify who you are talking to, the easier it is to craft that message. You know, if you're dealing with a contractor versus an engineer, one is more involved in the design phase. One is more involved in a sort of build or output phase. Uh, they're looking, they have different needs, they have different issues, they have different concerns, but they're both part of the, the process. And you may be selling to each too. Personas, we're big fans of personas. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. I, uh, all right, number three, moving on, is a competitor comparison guide. Now, we didn't talk a lot about competitors on this episode, Nels, and, and, and I do want to clarify why, because we were talking about the sales enablement process and tools and theory. But every company 
that's working on marketing themselves and optimizing their internal processes need to understand what their competitors are doing. So that way, you know what those pain points are. You know what those things that people leave competitors to come to you because of are, or vice versa, hate to say it, leave you and go to competitors for. Having all that documented and how where you stand in the competitor mix will help you understand which pieces of content are needed and are which what are the highest priority. Yes. And it makes me think internally. And I got yep. one magic word that if, you know, what's the phrase, eat your own dog food. I got oh. one word that, Hey, we need to continue to press on. We're, we're getting better at it, but we, we get to keep working on it. And that's video. Anyway, yep. keep <laughs> go back. Okay. Number, number, what are we up to three or four or going uh, backwards? Uh, I say we're at uh, we're at four now, I believe. No, that was four. So we did, Visualize customer journey map. Uh, we've done um, the uh, target personas. We've done competitor comparison guide. Here's another thing. You're going to want some sort of market research. That's a documented report of, hey, this many people in our industry need this service, or this is how many possible people or companies we could work with in the market. A lot of these can either be purchased or partnered to be found, but if you can do it, it's a really great piece of collateral to have, and then can be atomized out into uh, other types of content that we'll talk about later on this list. Oh, absolutely. Could be your ideal client list. It could just be, hey, your sweet spot matches theirs. But uh, yes, it's market research uh, and it, it needs to be refined market research too. It can't just be, yes. you know, uh, Captain Obvious kind of things. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then, okay, so the last five, so those four were, was that four? Oh, I've got one more um, with this, that's mainly sales. Uh, but we need some sales scripts on deck. This is if someone comes in with these questions, we need to know how to answer them. This is typical sales practice, the little red book or a little black book of sales. All this stuff is in there. I, I, I'm going to agree. The next two, sales scripts. And the next one, number six, sales decks. Those should be pretty standard. We should be able to have, you know, you as a company need to be able to turn around a sales deck that talks about your benefits, your differentiators, that helps in a general conversation tell the story of why a company should be working with you. But we, there also needs to be some sort of script for a client or a salesman when they're dealing with common objections or, oh, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. We hear a lot of people say that there's this, we have this resource and this blog post and this video that you could watch on it. And it can be as simple as that, but just a way that the every salesman doesn't have to remember every piece of collateral in every instance along the way. Right. And believe it or not, you could share that throughout the company because you never know when that opportunity comes up for other people to be a part of the sales process. Speaking the same language, meaningful language, very important. Yep. All right. So the last couple here are just going to be fun content pieces that I think everyone can benefit from. We've got one pagers, you know, just a quick it's something that could be laminated or a leave behind for a salesman, but just a one pager on a product, on a service, on a capability, on a deal, just some sorts of little one pagers that are fun leave behinds. Always great, always beneficial. Blog and posts. Not a bad idea to make them searchable on your website too, as opposed exactly. to laminated is a little, right. But anyway, not sorry, go back. PDFs, not always PDFs, everybody. Write them out on your site. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, blog posts, just general searchable blog posts on your site in a catalog archived for all time with search engines, keyword optimized, talking about questions and problems that your, that your clients have. Very top of the funnel, beginning of the journey pieces, but very, very important. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Of course, that's and what then, I do. So <laughs> I was about to say, you 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 have it there. So, uh, and then case studies. You're going to want to do some. Oh case my studies. goodness! Oh. Nels, tell us about case studies. Yeah, success stories. Right? How you know? You make people happy. You fulfill their requirements. They love you. Share the good news. And it it doesn't have to be complicated either. It can be a ninety second. It can be a thirty second video. You know, success stories, it is interesting to me how few success stories I see on industrial and manufacturing websites. Amen. All right. I love it. And then the last one is, in, I mentioned product sheets. I mentioned just like service one pagers, but one pagers on benefits, just uh, a specific emotional one pager uh, that can, is a, again, another type of leave behind, but more on out, not specifically products and services, more about either yep. the benefits that you have, all, uh, your differentiators <clears throat> or just something personal that would benefit your salesman and client relationships. Yep. So yep. Solutions and what, what are you solving as opposed to product features is more about you and benefits is more about the customer. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, And so that's it. I'll read through all of them again. So we've got a visualized customer journey map. We've got some competitor, competitor comparison guides, got one pagers on your benefits and differentiators got products and service sheets for everything that you offer. It's blog posts, sales scripts, target persona outlines, case studies, market research documentation, and sales decks. And those are 10 pieces of sales enablement content that everybody listening can pick and start building right now. That's right. And share them with your teams because sales enablement is a team sport. (laughs) I love it. Oh, Nels, uh, this has been a really fun conversation. I know that you and I have been wanting to talk about this for a little while. Uh, I hope that people were taking notes, you know, record, listen to this again. Guys, share out this episode if there are other people that you know in your spheres that might benefit from some of this. Comment on 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 the blog posts and on the articles and share on social. Let us know what sales enablement questions and issues that you're dealing with that are on a common basis that we can all share, we can all learn from. That's what this is all about. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, please do. Uh, Whichever service you're listening to, I know you can subscribe. I know it's possible. Don't tell me it's not. I know it is. Make sure you're watching us on on social media and you're following along. We, We have a great community of industrial marketers that are just really all about learning and growing and getting better at this constantly changing world that we all live in every single day. And finally, if you haven't already subscribed or visited industrialmarketer.com, check it out. There's a lot more resources than than I can even mention here between well, everything I listed, white papers and decks and pages and uh, all sorts of things. So guys, check it out, follow along, get engaged. Uh, Nels, this, is, this has been a blast. Uh, I can't wait to see you next time. All right. Thanks a lot, Joey. Thanks, guys. And we will see you next time.